Greetings and welcome to the Tapestry Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Turner. Joining me today are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hello, Chris. Chris. I wanted to get you guys together so we could talk about something that's near and dear to every parent's heart this time of year, navigating the holidays. I feel like this should be a dun dun dun. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> like it was at the Croods. Uh, yeah, I think that's what that's from. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this could be a very stressful time of year uh, without the things that we have to deal with as adoptive and foster parents. And then you add those things on top of it, and then you add an extended family who may not quite be on board with this new style of parenting. It can lead up to a lot of stress and such. Yes. So the navigating the holidays idea is potentially a can of worms. Yes, it is. Because I, I hadn't even thought about when we discussed this about the, the, the extended family angle, mm. um, which I don't know, there may be a part A, part B <laughs> thing going in here then. But, then, but there's just so much because it's complex. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's just a hard time of year for our kids. I mean, you know, when we talk to like adoptees, they say they think about their birth family almost mm-hmm. every day. You know, if you talk to adults who are open and honest and kind of start to tell you, I mean, your kids aren't going to say that to you necessarily, but, but adult adoptees, if you talk to them, they'll tell you, yeah, I thought about my family almost every day growing up and I still do, Mm -hmm. um, whether or not they had a relationship with that family or not, whether or not they had ever, they ever remembered that family, you know, Mm -hmm. if they were adopted as a infant or if they were adopted as a teenager, wherever they were, they all say they thought about their fa- their birth family practically every day and then the holidays just made it worse because right. they begin to think well what are they doing for Christmas mm-hmm. what are they doing for Thanksgiving you know what are they doing um, are they thinking about me mm-hmm. are they wondering what I'm doing um, we had one of our kids that actually said do you think when people ask my birth mom how many kids she has she includes me in that number mm-hmm. and I was like wow that's a tough question, you right. know? Um, and that's interesting that that was the perspective, mm-hmm. you know, of does she include me as one of her kids, even though I'm not part of that family that she's raising, mm-hmm. knowing that she's probably got other kids, you know, we don't necessarily know the story there, but I thought that was interesting. Um, and so I think it just brings up that kind of that unsettledness, right? Oh, it's just tough. Do you remember last year when we had the, the Navigating the Holidays event in the beginning of, of December and one of the people we had up there was a friend of ours who is now an adult with children of her own, some bio, some adopted, um, talking about what it was like growing up as an adoptee. And it was just so eye-opening for me because so much of what, what you said, because I think we want to believe that we've created this, 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 this realm of happiness. Mm-hmm. For our children, and that's why I think that for us as parents, uh, Christmas is so stressful because we just want it to be perfect. And when it's not perfect, we're just we're so disappointed. Right. Um, let me try that again. We're hurt, right? Mm. We're so hurt. We're more than disappointed. We're actually hurt because we could feel like we couldn't do that which that which we wanted for our kids. And then it's complex for them because. Because it's a hard time for them, like Kayla said, because they're thinking about their birth family. They're thinking is their birth family, thinking about them. Um, also, it's a reminder. Um, you know, we learned this with one of our sons that it's a reminder um, that there are people in his life that he doesn't get to see anymore, and that's hard for him. We were just 
Um, I know we were just listening to um, Brene Brown's book, um, Daring Greatly, right. on shame. And one of the things that she said in there that really, really struck me was that sometimes when, our cho- when people have negative behaviors, and she's talking about the parent-to-parent <coughs> context, but it also works in the parent-child context. And she said that sometimes people behave poorly because they just they want somebody else to feel as bad as they do. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really eye-opening for us. And that feeling, I think, gets magnified, like Kayla was saying, even more so at the holidays. Yep. I'm going to be miserable, so I'm going to make everyone else around me miserable, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Because it is it is designed to be so, so happy. But I remember um, reading somewhere that the highest rates of suicide are in the month of December mm-hmm. in the United States because so many people feel so alone. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's really hard because we want it to be such a good time mm. and we end up taking it personally because we think we're not enough for our kids. Right. And we think, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this for you and still you're making it miserable. Mm-hmm. And we we kind of ignore the fact that the reason that they're, you know, acting out or the reason that they are not having a good time with whatever we're doing is because they're hurting. Right. And we kind of lose perspective of that because we get so wrapped up in our traditions and our, I'm going to make this the best ever and it's going to be so much fun. And they're, they're going to not have time to be upset about right. anything else. Right. I mean, that's, we're going to overload them with activity. And so they wouldn't have yeah, time to think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, the overloading the the overloading of the activities is a tough one too because it's such a time of tradition. I mean, the, the, there's tradition in the church that surrounds it. There's cultural tradition. You think about like everybody knows that we light the the tree at Rockefeller Center for Christmas. The churches have traditional things that happen, and you know, especially ones that have celebrate the the, the Advent calendar. Mm-hmm. And then we have our family traditions, and then when we get married, you bring your family traditions, I bring my family traditions, and we try to figure out how to make those work while creating our own traditions. And right. we just force all of the stuff down our kids um, because we want them to be happy, we want them to enjoy Christmas. And so, you know, the, the example I always think of is that a family decides that they're going to go look at the Christmas lights. And so they fight with the kids for 30 minutes to get jackets and shoes on, get in the car. The kids are fighting with their siblings. The parents are screaming at, at the children. By the time we get home, nobody enjoyed the lights because dad yelled that he had enough and cut the trip short. I was speaking to a friend of mine recently, and she said to me, you know, one of the things that, that there were two things she didn't realize when they became adoptive parents. And that was how much you were no longer going to be able to do and how much you had to give up moving forward. So you, you, had to, you had to change what you were willing to do, and then there were other things that you just weren't going to be able to walk into, right? Okay. And, part of, and part of that, to me, is so real around Christmas time because there's so much of our traditions that I think we need to evaluate. I need, we need to think, is this good for my children? Right. Because there's so many other times in life where we will say, hey, that's not really great for our kids. We're not going to do it. But when it comes to Christmas time, because... Um, you know, we're always little kids at Christmas, no matter how old we are. <laughs> and so when we were around our parents or our grandparents or whatever at Christmas time, we feel a lot of pressure 
to go along with what they want to do, mm-hmm. to go along with their traditions, and then those get like force fed, and so all of a sudden our geese are like getting getting force fed, so we can have some nice fatty foie gras or something <laughs> with our traditions. And I think the traditions need to be evaluated in two ways. Way number one is if we do something because it has no value other than it's the way we've always done it, mm. then I think that needs to be evaluated. The flip side of that is we can swing the pendulum too far and go, well, we need to change it just because it's the way we've always done it. And I think that's wrong too. I think we need to look at things in their own merits. And you know what? Shoving everybody into the car to go and drive around and look at Christmas lights because that makes one of the parents happy. Not a great reason to do it, especially if the kids are fighting Mm -hmm. and yelling and it becomes a really, really stressful situation because it doesn't take long for that stress to come to the front seat of the car. And then all of a sudden, mom and dad are yelling and threatening things like we're canceling Christmas. And <laughs> not that we've done stuff like that, but we've heard of people who've done that, right? My, my uncle will say when they, when they behave poorly around November, December, his mother would just tell him, hey, I'm just canceling Christmas this year if you boys can't behave better. And so we use Christmas as a, as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's exactly... Um, what the Lord meant when he sent <laughs> right. his son to earth. <laughs> that's exactly the story we want to be telling. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I think we can get caught up to in traditions that are good, but that are hard for our kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to know where our kids are too, because I think there are, there are some great traditions that, you know, I mean, we love to do the Advent activities, you know, and I know people that just go above and beyond to, um, to do these elaborate activities for every day leading up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, to add that to our family's already really busy schedule would not help my kids have a servant heart or point them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It would just add to our busy schedule and the fighting would increase. Right. And we tried to do that some years. Um, and we tried to add in different activities and, oh, we're going to make this so fun and we're going to bake cookies this day and we're going to go Christmas caroling this day and we're gonna, and we tried to do all those fun pack them all in on the 24 days leading up to Christmas and it just exhausted everybody so we're already dealing with kids who are more emotional who are maybe thinking about birth family a little more and maybe reacting um, a little more out of their amygdala you mm-hmm. know reacting out of that more primitive part of their brain uh, they may be in a little bit more of a fear state because of um, all the emotions that they've got going on and the um, a lot of removals from family happen around the holidays right, yeah. because it's a stressful time. So some of our kids are dealing with the fact that this is the anniversary of when they left their birth family. Yeah. Um, or it may be the last time they saw their birth family mm. was right around Christmas time or whatever. And so we're already dealing with all of that. Or they even have a visitation with members of their birth family around this, this holiday time too. Exactly. And then on top of those kinds of things going on, then we have the over-sugared children because everywhere somebody wants to give them a hot cookie, chocolate right. or a cookie or, or a candy cane with red about, food dye. Golly. Or how about the silly um, Advent... Oh, those chocolate, chocolate things? Chocolate things you open up and get a piece of chocolate yes. every day leading up to Christmas. Yes. Or, you know, I mean, just they're over-sugared. They're over-tired because, let's face it, when school's out or when schedules are different, kids are 
getting to bed later Mm -hmm. and they're waking up earlier because they want to go play and they want to do these fun things. And I mean, it's just, it's just that time of year that just for your average kid is a little bit harder. And so then when you add in all the emotional things going on with our kids this time of year, it just makes it that much harder. And then we want to add in all these things and then we guilt our kids for like, we are trying to read the Christmas story. You need to sit down. You know, I mean, I just, we would try and read like a little devotional every day and then we'd get four days behind and we'd try and catch up on those four days all on Mm, one night. uh And our kids are like, seriously, can we just stop? It's like, sit still. I'm trying to tell you about Jesus. I shut up. I mean, so we have learned, I think over the years, we have gotten where Yes, we still do some of those things. We still read the Christmas story with our kids and we still read Christmas, little Christmas kids books, you know, Mm -hmm. but we're a lot more relaxed with those kinds of things and we're a lot more flexible with our schedule. If we miss a couple of days, I mean, today's what, the 6th of December when we're recording recording this this, and we have yet to read one of our Advent um, readings. <laughs> it's just been that kind of start to it. Right. Um, but you know, we're reading, we're reading out of the book of Luke and we're, we're reading some of our little Christmas books. We just have had a bit of a crazy, um, start to December. And so we haven't had a chance to read them and we're not going to stress about it yeah. because if I try and sit down with my kids tomorrow and say, okay, well we've missed the whole week. So now we're going to read seven day. of them yeah. and you're going to be quiet and you're going to sit here. Um, it would stress out your average kid who's not dealing with all sorts of other things going on. Right. Three years ago, Kayla said to me, you're a Christmas ruiner. Is it ruiner? Is that what you said? Or something along uh, those lines? I, or you're ruining I don't know. Christmas? I, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but basically, yeah. yeah she he, signed the quality gets, to me. He gets very grumpy at Christmas time. We'll say that. Okay. Or we could say, I get really stressed at Christmas time. And so, <laughs> and so I started to think about that because I am a little shorter with the kids at Christmas time, I think, and probably a little shorter with, with Kayla. Uh, and I don't mean to be. So I started thinking about that because it was, you know, you know, sometimes when your spouse confronts you with your behavior, you just usually dismiss it because they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but I was in the Christmas spirit, so I thought, you know, I'll consider this. Um, but... Um, Christmas for me growing up was 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 kind of a stressful time because it was all jam packed together and we all had to be together and no matter what what happened my dad had to have the family around we had to go see my grandparents and and his siblings and um, you were going to like it no matter what and if you wanted to do something else that didn't happen when I got married it was the same it was all this like you have to be here for Christmas and every holiday occasion he wanted us around and he was just like I mean like Thanksgiving, I remember a few years ago, I mean, it just got really kind of out of control. Mm. And like, my, my folks don't drink. So it was, it was pure, <laughs> like, like just operating from those like primal parts of your, your brain type stuff. Mm. But then I got to start thinking about my dad and realized that he was not raised by the people he was born to. Mm. And so um, Christmas particularly has this whole, we're not celebrating unless the family's all together and it doesn't matter if the family's unhappy and it doesn't matter if nobody's enjoying themselves together is the highest virtue of mm. Christmas. And that was always like forced. And so I realized that as an adult, I operate out of that space because I bring all of that baggage with me right. because this moment when the children are running through the house and yelling, cause like Kayla said, they've had two cups of hot cocoa, a candy cane and Hershey's peppermint kisses. 
it's not just about that it's about all of the the baggage that I brought to that moment and so coming to terms with that and understanding that that was true uh, was was really really helpful for me I think I enjoy Christmas more now I think I'm less of a, of a, of a grump about it now um, but again we talk about this a lot that so much that's part of our children's healing is our own healing mm-hmm. and so much of coming to terms with their behaviors and being able to help them when they're stuck is us coming to terms with our histories and, and, and getting unstuck ourselves. And I think that the Christmas is a good lesson in that for me, in that unless I was confronted about it and really kind of dug through it a little bit, I never would have come to terms with the fact that, yes, I'm not a very happy person in the 20s days of you know the third to fourth week of December generally. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to terms and understand why that was in order for me to get past that. So, you know, the parents have baggage, the the children have baggage, and then we go visit grandma and grandpa, or they come to our they house, and they have baggage. And they bring their own baggage. I was thinking back to our conversation with Mandy Howard about how since trauma is developmental, our responses to trauma need to be, need to be developmental too. Mm. And I was just thinking that that's how our, our Christmas traditions probably need to be too. Yeah. Is that they, they need to be That's developmental good. as well because some of the things that may be really fun for our, our adopted and foster kids at, say, age three might not be so much fun at age seven. Or, like you kind of mentioned earlier, Kayla, might bring up some of mm-hmm. those those bad feelings of abandonment yeah. and just, just missing their birth parents, you know, yeah. that, that loss that's always there. And so that, I think that's something that as parents we need to be to be cognizant of. Is that you know? Yes, it's great to bring new Christmas traditions to you know, to your blended family. You know the stuff that you bring from your parents and things your spouse brings from their parents and that kind of stuff. And then finding that right balance for our kids may change. You know, it may change. Yeah, it like, can change over time as they get older and they feel safer and more secure. You may be able to add back some of those mm-hmm. things that you enjoyed, right. but you may find some of them are gone. Yeah, They're just, they just have to be gone. Because, you know, I know for us, you know, our 13-year-old's probably not that great, not that thrilled with uh, going out looking at Christmas lights. But his five-year-old younger brother mm. loves it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he'll go along with it and most of the time keep his mouth to himself <laughs> and we'll just kind of enjoy it. But, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. So. Well, we had, um, so growing up, we had those, have you seen those little M&M dispensers? Oh, like yeah. it's mm. like a little M&M guy, right? Mm-hmm that was part of our Christmas decorations growing up was we had this M&M guy that would come out at Christmas and my mom kept him full of M&Ms all of the time. And so when we first got married, it was one of the first things that my parents bought for us was our very own M&M dispenser, right? Which was great. We didn't have any kids. Exactly. (laughs) It It was wonderful. And I kept it full. And even when our first one, I tried to keep it full. That's true. And so it was okay. Even our first couple of kids came along and they were okay. They would ask if they could have some M&Ms and they'd get some M&Ms. I'm sure they stole some, you know, (laughs) snuck them when I wasn't looking. But for the most part, but then we had one little guy come along and, well, let's just say that that M&M dispenser, he might as well have put his mouth (laughs) underneath there and just pulled the little well, handle <laughs> repeatedly until it was empty because you know how they say that like sugar is like as addictive as oh, yeah. narcotics oh yeah. yeah i mean this guy is like this is like the evidence that that is absolutely true he's a mm. sugar addict oh yeah absolutely yeah. and so that m&m guy was 
too much for him to handle. He couldn't handle it. It was, it was there and it was all he could think about. Like his focus was when can I get more M&Ms? And so we stopped putting it out and my mom would ask, where's the M&M guy? You know, cause that was part of our tradition growing up. And we're like, we just, we can't handle it here. It just doesn't work. So my mom still has an M&M dispenser at her house. So when they go there, they can empty her M&M dispenser (laughs) all in one fell swoop. But here we didn't put that out. Now this year I tried, I put out a little Hershey kiss candy bowl, right? Mm. And it's not as bad. On Saturday. On Saturday. We've gone through two bags in three days of Hershey Kisses. Now, some of it's mom and dad helping out with the Hershey Kisses as well. But... Owning your stuff. Yes, I'm owning my own stuff. We have have definitely definitely, uh, had our fair share. But I can see he's doing a little bit better, but still not ready for full Mm. access to... A bowl full of candy because it is still in the forefront of his mind that there is candy to be had and I must have it. Mm -hmm. Now he's doing better about asking, may I have one Mm -hmm. this year? So I don't think it's that I can, we can never have those kinds of fun things. It's just, you know, I see people and they have like, I have a, I have a hot chocolate station and they're allowed to have one, you know, cup of hot chocolate every day. Mm. Um, but I see people and they have like a little bowl of marshmallows sitting next to their hot chocolate station. So you can spoon a few into your hot chocolate. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> Those will be handfuls in one child's mouth. Like, you know, the, all second at once. Per- the second person's not going to get uh, exactly. <laughs> once they notice they are in a bowl, they will be gone. I must hide marshmallows or they will all be eaten mm. right away. You know I mean? It's just, you, you have to know your kids and you have to know mm. what they can handle. And so, mm. A tradition that was fun growing up and we would just go by every once in a while you'd go by and you'd, you'd pull the little arm on the M&M guy and you get some M&Ms it was fun growing up but it wasn't fun for my kids because it caused them stress mm-hmm. and so even little things like that mm-hmm. you know we've always put candy canes on our Christmas tree and my kids are driving me crazy with trying to eat all the candy canes off the Christmas tree well, maybe you don't put don't Christmas candy canes on your Christmas tree. My it only took us three Christmases to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, my kids can't handle it. I mean, yeah. anything like that is, it's too much, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it just doesn't make it fun anymore. And so we have gone with the things that the kids can handle and the traditions that they can do. And we, um, we've had to scale back in a lot of ways and we don't do as many things but we still make it special and we still make it um, our traditions mm-hmm. and what our family does. And I think that that is what's important is that you find the things that work for your family and you make those your traditions and traditions can change and evolve over time. So you can add to it or you can say, you know what? No one really likes that one anymore. We're going to take it away. Or you've added a new kid to your family and they can't really handle that one. And right. I think that's probably when it's the hardest is when you have one child that can't handle it and mm-hmm. everybody else loves it. And what do you do in that situation? Right. You know, we, um, we work with a lot of families throughout the course of the year and Christmas comes up a fair amount. And there are a couple of things that are consistent with Christmas. And one of the things that uh, is a consistent theme that we get asked is how do you deal with um, when you have foster kids and then you, your parents then 
tend to treat them like less part of the family at Christmas, mm-hmm. right? They don't they don't make as big a fuss about them. And, and we know families who like the foster kids didn't get gifts from his his parents at Christmas, mm. which is really really hard. Or or you've adopted your kids and they're and they're forever part of your family, but the extended family doesn't quite see doesn't it quite way. see it that way, yeah. and it manifests itself in the gift giving department. And then you got kids whose feelings are hurt, and then your feelings are hurt. Like we know a family. Um, they're in their late 30s now, and um, this year they're not celebrating Christmas with his parents because they finally said, look, you're going to treat all of our kids like your grandkids, or we're just not going to be able to come around. And I think the, the harsh reality for a lot of families like ours is that I think we all go into Christmas wondering, is this the year that I might have to draw that line in the sand? Mm. Because there's always something, even in the best of times. And I know sometimes it's not... It's not a real slight, and sometimes it's just the way it, it happened. But sometimes it is. If the kids are foster, or will they be here next year? Will they be no, here next year if they're foster, foster kids? kids right. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, you want to kind of make excuses for your, for your family, but but sometimes it just is the reality that that's just the way it is moving forward. And it's heartbreaking when you hear people that. To watch a grown man cry because they're not going to see his parents on Christmas for the first time in 38 years is hard yeah. to be a part of that because, well, it's just hard. Christmas is supposed to be about family and joy and peace on earth and forgiveness and togetherness. And so often it's just about combat and, and getting your way, getting your way right. and storming out and, and all those kinds of stuff. So I think that for me, Christmas has become more about grace on earth, earth than peace on earth. Mm. Um, because some might argue that they're, they, they could be two sides of the same coin, but I would suggest that, that we just have to kind of, um, especially in relating to, to our own biological families, um, we, we have to, because some people do this and it's wrong when you kind of look for ways to have your feelings hurt. Mm. Um, you got to not just not look for ways to have your feelings hurt. You kind of have to have a little bit of a thicker skin at Christmas, I think, because it is going to be about grandma's whatever's that she's done for 40 years and all those kinds of things. And and sometimes you're just going to have to tell your folks, um, look, we can't do that. Right. And that's hard. But both of us, when we first got married, we decided that we were going to, to, to keep Kayla's parents and my parents as happy as possible because we didn't have any kids. We were just going to run around on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and try to make everybody's traditions and see if we could make that work. And five years into our marriage, we're like, we're just like, oh, we're so exhausted on Christmas Day. And then like coming up to Christmas was almost, wasn't a time of happiness. It was just a time of, we're just going to be so busy and we're going to overeat and we're going to rush through all the things. And, and then we started having kids. It just got harder and harder. And finally, about five years ago, we just said to, to my folks and her folks, hey, look, love you guys. This isn't about that. But here's what we're able to handle. Mm-hmm. And so you're, 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 you're what are like, seem to be the important traditions on the side of the family. And, and we're going to be a part of that. But we can't run around all day. And they went to, to the other set of parents and said, hey, these are the things that are like really important. And I know there's a lot of traditions that you have. We just can't do all of them. Yeah. And I felt like the first Christmas, they kind of went along with it. And it felt like a little bit of tense, but I think from year two on, it, it seemed fine. And, and last year, my dad said it was, it was like his favorite Christmas he'd had in the U.S. Because mm. at some point, you have to decide what's important. Right. And unfortunately, um, when we became parents, we declared to the world that, that our children were going to be very, very important to us. And sometimes 
part of the stress of Christmas is telling our parents and our grandparents and our siblings and our aunts and uncles, hey, we're not going to be able to be a part of that this year, mm-hmm. which is hard for them because they're disappointed too. But managing their disappointment is not the primary goal of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Having that not be negative for my children, but be a part of their healing process is my goal for Christmas. And so um, that's our advice to families is as peaceful, peaceably as possible. Make the adjustments that you can because you're going to have to. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when we had no children, it was a different world from the one we currently live in where we have six children. Right. And, and being able to um, to set them up for success has to be very, very important. When you come down to it, you have to do what's best for your kid. And if that means we're not doing Christmas at Grandma and Grandpa's this year because of whatever reasons you might be dealing with within your family, then that's the call you've got to make. Yeah, for sure. And it, you know, more often than not, it probably will cause some some heartache and some tension from yeah. the part of the grandparents. But hopefully, they can understand that you know you're not doing this to hurt them; you're doing this to help your child. Yeah, yeah. and 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 the fact that it causes some heartache and tension on the extended family's part is completely understandable. Right. And I don't want to 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 deny them their feelings. I don't because we have to process our feelings. It's the way we get through things. Right. But the reality is. Um, we have to we have to be governed by good decision making, not by emotional management. Right, and I think that is really really true in, in in parenting. I guess it's getting to the place where we can help our extended family understand why mm. we have to make some of the decisions that we do. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't we continue that tradition? Well, it's very difficult for this child here. Or my kids in general, it's very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's why, you know. Um, and I think, you know, I think grandparents who are involved and who are attuned, they they pick up on those things, you know. Right. Yeah, I think it's harder for those grandparents who are really only around at holidays mm-hmm. and that, that are not there so much. Because I have seen both of our parents over the years pick up on some of those little things. Um, like from the time we first had kids, um, my parents, my mom would get the kids and decorate gingerbread houses with them. And so last year she only did it with our girls and not with our boys because she noticed that our boys just wanted to eat all the decorations (laughs) and go play. Right. And she realized, yeah, she realized that wasn't really good for them because after they ate all the decorations then they weren't very nice to be around. Uh And so she changed that and she got them little Lego creatures to build, Mm. you know, little Lego Christmas Lego things to do instead and a few little treats so that they were not eating the entire gingerbread house decorations Mm. in one sitting. And I thought that was really something that, that she picked up on that could have been a, they don't like these traditions that I've been trying to do with them for years, but instead it was a, okay, this isn't working for this child, but I don't think grandparents that are coming into town for that holiday, if they have come in and said, okay, well, grandma gets here four days before Christmas and we're going to do gingerbread houses this day and we're going to go this place. I think it makes it harder for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to, be more intentional with those grandparents of keeping them in the loop of things that are difficult for our kids Mm -hmm. and kind of keeping them in the loop and helping them to get to a place where they realize 
that it's not, don't take it personally. Right. It's not that they don't love you and want to be around you, but this is really hard for them. And here's why. Mm. And kind of getting them, because I think grandparents want their grandkids to love them and they want their grandkids to want to spend time with them, but they don't necessarily always understand that the way they want to spend time with their grandparents may not be the way that the grand, that the grandkids want to spend time with well, them just, or that they are able to. Well, especially for our kids who, who come with relational deficits. Yeah, for sure. Who, who, um, you know, whose only memory they have of grandma is that she used to pick a switch off the tree and beat them. Right. You know, and stuff like that. And so all of a sudden you got grandma who just wants them to sit in their lap. That's, that, that's when it's hard. When yeah. good, when good things are difficult for, for that's a big kids. pendulum swing for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, and this, and this is the real problem with tradition is that, um, when we reject the family tradition, nobody perceives it as we rejected the family tradition. They perceive it as you rejected me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's really, really hard is it, is that we have all these compounding hurts because you don't have to be a child from a hard place to have some relational issues around Christmas time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that what's, what we all want to be the most wonderful time of the year. Heck, we even wrote a song about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for a lot of people because, because there's just so much of, of, there's so many difficult things happening and there's so many memories that come flooding back. And for so many people, they're remembering the time that, you know, dad was drunk at Christmas and, and threw them into a wall. And I mean, those are the reality for a lot of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. They won't be the realities for the people at this table, but those are the realities for a lot of people that, that we deal with. And, and, and it is an emotional time of the year and all of our relational hurts bubble up to the surface. And so all of grandma and grandpa's baggage bubbles up to the surface. All of mom and dad's baggage bubbles up to the surface all of the children's baggage bubbles up to the surface and then nobody can get in the front door because there's like 4,000 bags to climb over. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's what makes it so hard. And I think that we all just need to take a breath. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, mom, be as, be as straightforward and as loving as you can with the extended family. And over time, like Kayla just talked about the gingerbread story, over time, the grandparents look, okay, we got it. Mm-hmm. And and they may their first step into the new world is like well I have no choice because uh, this is the reality now but I think over time they come to understand um, this is what the kids need this is what the family needs um, that's why it is important um, to kind of be with your parents and kind of try to get them involved in connected parenting stuff try to get them to read the books try to listen to get them to listen to the stuff because. Um, it does take the whole village. It takes the whole tribe. My children are around. My grand, my, my parents and Kayla's parents a fair amount. Um, and that's just really kind of maybe one of the things hard about Christmas. You tell the gingerbread house story, Kayla, was that um, the grandparents do want their grandchildren to love them. Right. And one of the ways they get their grandchildren to love them is to feed them copious amounts of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and when you take that tool out of the toolkit, kit, what do I do now? There's, there's flailing. It's like a fish on the boat of uh, the deck of a boat. Uh, but but hey, you know what? Legos is a good adapt adaption. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if there's much more to say, but it, other than it's a hard time, and if you just and if you just your expectations are that it is going to be the most wonderful time of the year and it is going to have the snow. It's like snow, right? I didn't grow up around snow. So when I got here, my, my expectation was that snow was going to be beautiful and white. And it is. Until you have to go drive on it. Until you have to drive on it. And it is gray and it is brown and it is gross. And there's just nothing pretty about slow snow. And it's like a yucky slushy in the road right. and stuff like that. And if we just go with our eyes wide, sh- wide shut into Christmas, thinking, oh, it's just going to be a wonderful time, 
hey, um, remember the Brene Brown quote from the book that sometimes people behave poorly because they just want other people to feel as bad as they do? I remember our first Christmas with one of our sons. We were over at my in-law's house, and they bought him this radio-controlled car. And this is before we kind of this – is, this, is, this is the event that helped us go – Oh my, about how the kids are processing Christmas. Mm. He opens this radio controlled car, looks at it, puts it on the floor, and stomps his foot on it. <laughs> he broke it immediately. Oh, wow. And uh, to say that it, that was a tense moment, because <laughs> my in laws are like, dude, we just spent money on that right. thing. What are you doing? But that's when we kind of, that was like our aha, aha moment with the kids going. Mm. Oh my gosh, Christmas just isn't that great for them necessarily. Yeah. I think as I've been in the family for a number of years now that it's better now, but I remember their first Christmases they were hard. Mm. It's hard to watch a kid just stomp on a toy because because all of his feelings of like, I'm not worthy of getting nice things. I'm not used to people being nice. I mean, just it's all the things that he's dealing with in that very second. And probably can't verbalize. He can't verbalize. And doesn't probably understand. And all he had was a uh, break toy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was hard, but but... But but I always look back at that Christmas. We talk about that every year because that was the the moment that we kind of realized things are not what they seem here. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider, Top Gun's not a Christmas movie, so I don't know why I made that reference. No, but Die Hard is. Die Hard is. That's right. It's not Christmas until I've seen Hans Gruber fall from the Nakatomi Tower. I'd like to thank Ryan and Kayla for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Thanks Chris. It's good to see you, Chris. If you have a question for us that will fit into 140 characters, you may tweet it to us at tapestryibc. If you require a bit more room, you can email us at tapestry at irvingbible.org. You may also find us on Facebook at tapestryibc. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you have enjoyed and gotten value from this podcast, we would appreciate a review in either location. You can find more resources on our website, tapestryministry.org. Tapestry is the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. Thanks for listening.